0: Welcome to Uncommy Goods, the pandemic of 2020 exposed America's reliance on Chinese made goods. Not only were we short on critical life-saving equipment, much of it from China ended up being defective. We were caught with our face masks down. They played us. Why is America handing off production of critical goods to China and what can we do about it? Here on Uncommy Goods, we expose the nefarious misdeeds of the Chinese government. Prison labor, suppression of human rights, theft of intellectual property, imperialist actions towards other nations, the list goes on. Let's hit them where it hurts, stop buying goods made in China. And it's not all doom and gloom over here, this show celebrates the makers of uncommie Goods, the stuff made right here in America, maybe even in your own backyard. Meet the people behind small American businesses, learn the secrets of their success, and how buying American goods supports innovation, local communities, jobs, and economic opportunity. And I'll even crack a few jokes while we're at it. Let's make it in America. I'm your host, Lars. This is Uncommy Goods. Hi, welcome to episode 30 of Uncommy Goods. I'm your host, Lars, coming to you from Mount Olympus in San Francisco. Yes, the heart of Commyville. Anyway, I'm really excited to introduce this episode's guest on Uncommy Goods, episode 30. Uh, and just like the previous episode uh, with Tyler Dinsmore of Dinsmore Sheepskins, I met Shannon Tour on Gab.com, the social network that is not powered or financed by big tech. Freedom of speech actually exists there. And it is part of the burgeoning parallel economy of movement and the parallel economy movement. I think it aligns very closely with the uncommon goods ethos of buying American made and focusing on small businesses first. So I've met with Shannon Tor previously, and I was very impressed. And, you know, not only is a great guy and you can see how handsome he is, almost didn't have you on the show, Shannon. (laughs) Um, You know, he is a real scientist and he parlayed his education um, in science and worked in a wide range of industries from steel then off to many years in the personal care industry and there's a lot of brands that you've heard of you know there's like Avon TRESemmé hope i pronounced that right Saint I did okay uh Saint Ives uh not to be confused with Saint Ives that a questionable malt liquor that was very popular in the 1990s. You might've remembered Ice Cube uh, was promoting it. And then eventually Shannon founded his own business, Tor Salon Products. And you might not be able to tell, but I, uh, from watching me on this video, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I do care about my hair and I try and use high quality goods. Um, And so Tor Salon Products offers a variety of hair care products from shampoos, conditioners, styling products, and even more. I even saw some like CBD tinctures uh, and gels and gummies. Uh, so I can tell that uh, you know what you have is awesome, and I can't wait to get started. Shannon, welcome to Uncommy Goods.
1: Thank you, Lars. Thanks for having us on today.
0: Uh, pr- pretty uh, glad to have you. So, uh, Shannon, you know, can you tell me a little bit more? Like, how did you get into forming your own business? You know, uh, we, we spoke earlier; you had a lot of experience, and I was quite fascinated uh, with your history and how you parlayed it into your own thing. Uh, tell us all about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, Well, you know, I I think the way it started for me was just simply a uh, admiration for the greatest generation. You know, I always looked at those guys and I was like, how is it these guys go to war? they go to college, they start families, and they start businesses. And they made more wealth for this country than any other generation in its history, and probably ever any generation ever. Uh, and so they always blew me away. But I never could figure out how to get in, actually, I was kind of always chipping away at it. Um, and being in chemistry, they don't teach you how to run a business. So <laughs> they, they, teach you, they teach you how to research things, um, not how to run a business. So I l- actually learned all that stuff in the field. Um, and a lot of it was stumble and trial and error. Um, but luckily, scientific methods uh, applied to business actually can work. So that's kind of how we started it. I uh, decided, well, if you go way back, you know, I came out of school as an analytical chemist. Right. okay, um, so analytical chemists for people that don't really know what that is is I, I don't <laughs> I analyze things at real low levels so use instrumentation to get analytical results right uh, so you know you a lot of people have heard of something called a PCR test, right it's all yes. not working properly and that's because the analytical chemist that created it told them not to run it the way they're running it um so Just as an example, those are some of the things that happen. And so we're the guys that sit in the background. You never really meet these guys, but they're the ones going out there and trying to figure out how do I figure out how much lead's in a lake? How do I analyze things at real low levels? And we come up with methods for that. So that's been, that was my core coming out of school. Uh, I started in analytical chemistry at Inland Steel, uh, where I started running what they called their wastewater analysis, right? Okay. There's a lot of non-contact cooling water and steel to cool down the steel. And that water has to go back into the lake. And so we would analyze it for lead, nickel, cadmium, things of that nature to make sure we're not contaminated in the lake. Uh, and was pretty successful there uh, and actually really successful because EPA wrote me up for methods that I helped them debunk their own methods. So uh, we did that for a while. But my wife worked with me, I, not in the same area because she's an accountant, but the steel industry was flat. So we decided it was time to bounce out of that industry and find something else. I was in my 20s, not getting any raises, doesn't really work. All my employees were making about well, 80, 90,000 a year and I'm making about 40 and I'm like, this doesn't work. So I actually bounced out of there and went to Avon. Uh, Avon hired me in to do IQ, OQ, PQ, which is quality stuff, qualifications of methods and processes basically.
0: So real, real science, right?
1: Uh, well, uh, it, you know, a nuclear scientist would say I'm science light, <laughs> but but it's real science, and it definitely is important stuff. Um, and so we, I did that for a few years, and went over to, like I said, help Avon with their stuff because the steel industry is heavily, heavily regulated, okay. Uh, and personal care was less so regulated, so I was trying, I was bringing that rigor to them to say. How do you know that you're getting accurate results? How do you have confidence so that if an auditor comes in here, you can say with confidence that you're getting the right results? How do, where are your checks coming in, checks and balances, things of that nature? So I did that for them for a little while. Um, then I decided I wanted to do something a little different, and I took a job at Alberto Culver. Uh, they're no longer in existence, but as a senior scientist, Formulating skincare products for Saint Ives actually uh, ran that won a few beauty awards there. Went over and started running Nexus, uh, won a few beauty awards there, and uh, it was at that point that the bosses kind of looked at me and like, "This guy, he's either really lucky or he knows what he's doing." I always say it was just really lucky, um, but analytical processes actually working personal care too because of the rigor and the structure you can design these tests to understand what's going on and i just kept applying that over and over uh and it kept winning so i kept getting bigger jobs uh and i was a director of r d at 39 uh had many phds working for me and i'm a bachelor's degree so it's kind of a kind of a mis fit i guess you know but i would i I was always the bull in the china shop is the way i would describe it i'd walk in and go no 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 let's mess this up let's kick that over there and see what happens and uh long story short i got put on a project to launch nexus and my role was moved i was pulled out of r d and i was actually directly reporting to marketing and a wonderful woman by the name of gina taught me a ton. She told me, I'm going to bury you in marketing and I'm going to teach you everything I can. Uh, And she took me under her wing and I taught her some of the science and she taught me marketing. And this was, I mean, powerhouse marketer, went to Princeton, went to University of Chicago, like top notch and used to blow me away. I'd sit in the room and she'd tell me how smart I was. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I like you're like 10 times smarter than I am. I've just got you fooled for some reason. Uh, But she helped me. And then I took a job at Alberto Culver. Sold My role went to either the UK, Japan, or the East Coast, or I could have taken a job with L'Oreal out in Paris. None of those were right because I had a five-year-old daughter and a professional wife at home. And so I took a job at Carmex for about two years. Karma Labs is the name of it. And, and that's
0: the, the lip balm, right? Absolutely. Yeah, very, very popular.
1: Fantastic lip yeah. balm. I'll just be brutally honest. When you test it, it's the best. They didn't even know that when I went in. I went and validated all that, showed them how good they were. Um, and wow. the owner, which is a third generation privately held company, started teaching me how his grandfather launched his company by selling into independent uh, pharmacies. And I took that model and reapplied it to salons, which was my expertise in hair care. And that's kind of how we got started. I just kind of built it up from there.
0: I love it. Um, what really stood out in the beginning was, uh, how you just went from the steel industry, uh, to salon. What do you think about your background and skill uh, made that happen?
1: Um, I think it's because I'm not smart enough to know better. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no it's just honestly <laughs> I, I, I do think and it's also great to see a humble scientist we're seeing uh quite quite a few so-called very egomania, maniacal oh scientists out there and it's really frustrating to see mm-hmm. and um but uh yeah there, there's something to say where you said you're what you didn't know any better yeah um ignorance also, is bliss i think a lot of people are afraid to get into something because they overthink it um uh, uh, however i don't think you over underthink it i think you just seem a uh, pretty sharp guy
1: well i try to adjust as we go you know i always i always had the philosophy even in corporate america you you know you got to be honest you got to be forthcoming and you got to mm-hmm. give and you have to give your opinion right if you don't give your opinion i don't even know what it is and i can't ever apply it and scientists yeah. have a tendency to be pretty meek when it comes to those types of things you can't always draw it out of them but for some reason And I'm not, you know, uh, thank God for it, I guess. But, you know, um, for some reason, I've had that ability to pull that out of them. Uh, So I can get the PhDs to talk and start to work their projects into things that can work. And at the same time, I can relay that information to people who aren't technical. And so I've always sat on that bridge, right, where it's kind of like, take the technical and make it understandable. That's kind of my role.
0: Okay, great. No, I like that. Um, so you were at L'Oreal and you had opportunity to go international, but you had a young daughter and you wanted to, you know, keep that family life stable, which I think is important. You know, career is not necessarily always number one. You got to think about your family and whatever you, you choose to do. And what I've seen with people I've interviewed before, uh, when they start their own business, a big part of it is, you know, staying close to family and, and working in a way that adheres to their values. Um, and also another thing you mentioned is you, you went towards like, uh, working with the uh, directly with salons and, and right. getting uh, the entry point there. To me, I think that's a lot better because uh, you can scale your own business at your pace rather than trying to close a big deal with a Walmart where they just beat you down and get the margins lower. And you eventually, it's it's like a um, you know a curse. It, yeah, you get right. a million dollar order or a twenty million dollar order, but you got to spend you know fifteen million dollars just to get the capacity up and running.
1: You know, you have a very keen understanding of what goes on. I actually used to go and do technical presentations down at Walmart and up at Target. I say down at Walmart because I was in Chicago at the time and up at Target because that's Minnesota. Um, But, you know, that's very accurate, Lars. There is a big um, challenge with going to large scale and being able to control how you're going and actually having direct contact with your customers helps a ton from that perspective. Not only that, the the expectations if you go into a Walmart with how much money you're going to put in the MDF market market development funds, things of that nature. I heard and saw those numbers and they scared the heck out of me. So it was like, if I could just work with independent people and help them get better at what they do, we can all win.
0: And that was the goal. Well, winning is what we do here at Uncommon Goods and in the parallel economy. Uh, So you passed on that opportunity. Um, So Mm -hmm. how did you start Tor Salon Products?
1: Well, what I did was I had... Um, previous research, I had done a lot of development work at uh, Alberto and I was in charge of a lot of hair care uh, formulation development work. And I had leads in terms of technologies I wanted that I knew uh, Unilever, which was the purchaser of Alberto, didn't want. Uh, And I knew I still had some stuff missing, but I set my positioning so that I was going after hair type so that I could tailor my formulas better. Uh, I know this sounds kind of strange, but You know, most shampoos are sold based on an end benefit like moisture. If I'm creating a moisture shampoo, I have to make it for the average person. So now take everybody you see in the street, take the average of that person and create a formula. Well, what happens is you lose the edges when you do that, right? You're not appealing to the people who are on either side of the fringes. And those people are getting upset. They want moisture too right? So by going after fine, thin, medium, thick, and curly hair, I could tailor my formulas more from a scientist perspective and give better performance to the consumer. So that's what we did. And we went out and launched that. And then what I started to do was educate the stylists on how ingredients worked and what was working and what wasn't working. I would constantly hear marketing no offense to any marketers out there, lying lying to people about how things work. They'd say this formula with vitamin E does blah. Well, the vitamin E is not doing anything. The vitamin E is in there at like 10 parts per million and it's everything else that's working. And so I'm like, no, none of that. We, we don't do promotional ingredients like that. We keep it real simple and we talk about the science if that loses you i slow it down and i just go okay you're just not interested in that that's fine here's a good performing product try that but what we try to do is educate people on how things actually work um, you'll hear things for consumer language sulfates are bad for you but nobody knows what a sulfate is you know and so like, yeah. it's that kind of stuff no and idea. we we debunk all that and and i i do that with customers too i just simply say give me a call I'll tell you how things work. You can go research it. You'll find out that what I'm telling you is accurate.
0: Okay. So, um, so when you started uh and you went with that approach on based on like hair type and formulating around that, um, you know, did you like outsource it to a factory? Did you, yeah. you know, homebrew it in a basement, um, you know, stir it in a pot, like yeah, a like a witch's was- cauldron.
1: Well, you know, we always use witches' cultures. We are scientists, and everybody okay. assumes we're mad scientists based yeah. on what you see on TV. I, right? <laughs> so that's a given. Um, yeah. No, uh, what we did was, uh, I my intent was actually never to produce in house. Okay, um, I would. My goal was to use third party manufacturing or co-packers, is what the t- term is, um, to do everything. I was going to paper formulate it all, hand them the formulas, have them send me back a product, right? Um, I did that. The first round of products, we did that. It was an absolute disaster. I picked the best co-packer in the country. uh, Very nice people, but my labels came in crooked, upside down, sideways. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm literally going case by case through each product, making sure they're good before I'm sending them out. And at that point I said, well, time to pivot, You know, small business owner, we got to bring it in house. And so we brought it all in house. I bought a lab that I used to use at Alberto color. I brought it into my facility. We bought a processing tank and all the equipment we needed and just brought it all in. Again, luckily I'm very fortunate. I I knew all these things, right? These are okay. things that I was taught at Alberto and all I had to do was go out and find them and bring them in. So basically that's what we did. We started just going out and we'd go to auctions and all these used, you know, lab equipment, which people, don't want really, yeah. it's like ten cents on a dollar, you know I'm buying tanks that cost you know a hundred thousand dollars for eight thousand dollars, you know stuff like that, you know, so that's okay.
0: what you do wow yeah I, I can't imagine going out and buying a lab, uh not my area of expertise, so I find that quite fascinating um so you know what kind of surprised you the most um you know, I know you make uh you know Made in the USA products, and yeah. you source your goods and source materials are all USA made. Uh, you know what kind of surprised you the most about you know making 100% USA made product?
1: Well, the the, the trick in you can source most things from the states. That's mm-hmm. not such a problem. The biggest problem a lot of times is making sure that who you're sourcing it from is getting it from the states. So what do I mean by that? Um, A package manufacturer might have five plants throughout the world, right? And so then it's incumbent upon you to, and they'll tell you, and they're not trying to hide it. It's incumbent upon you to go, well, where are you making this? Because they might be making it in Germany and sending it over. They might be making it in China and sending it over. It's hard to say unless you ask the question, they will be honest with you if if you ask them because they're not trying to hide that stuff. But, you know, even knowing to ask the question is probably one of the biggest things is to go, okay, I'm buying this from a company that's headquartered in, we'll make it up uh, Minneapolis, right, Minnesota. Um, Then. Taking the next step and saying, "Well, what plant are you making this at?" And again, a lot of that is just uh, knowledge of the industry and understanding where things come from. Um, but uh, the other part is poking at them and going, oh, you're, "You are making this here in the states, right? You know, and which
0: yeah. plants are coming from?"
1: And if not, okay, well, what can we do? What are you making here, so we can pivot to that?
0: Gotcha. So ask questions uh, oh, yeah. and make them answer right, and you know, sort of push. Push the envelope to get an idea. Okay. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. I mean, it's like going out to a restaurant. You're like, hey, you know what? Is there, I don't know, gluten in here if, if that's important? Or are you using real butter? Or is it, you know, because that's important to me. It's eating like real food. And so pushing back and ensuring that you're getting what you, what you're expecting to get.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what I find is most places are, you know, the, we're, we're honest people. Most people are like, yeah, this is how it's done. This is how we do it. I even had one guy come back to me and go, we do make that in China, but if that's a problem for you, we can source it from a different plant. And I'm like, okay. okay. Well, you know, there was one material there. I was like, all right, you know, this was an exotic material. So I, I had to source it. It had to come up from overseas. So it ended up coming from France.
0: And see, that's not necessarily a problem because if it goes, if the option is, Hey, we got eight ingredients and seven of them are made in the U.S. And the eighth one is either made in China or France or Germany. I'm more than happy to get it from France or Germany because right. uh, those countries are friendly to us. And uh, as far as I know, they're not trying to screw us over and you know, negotiate in bad faith. Uh, you know, other people might disagree, but um, that's not what I'm seeing on a daily basis. Um, and I you know, if I was going to get a car, it'd be a, a Porsche from Germany. So there you go. It wasn't yeah. a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. So um, have you seen any any issues with products uh, from China? Like, you know, working oh, yeah. with the, the bigger uh, manufacturers and the bigger companies you've been with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I've seen I, we've had like recall problems from China. So like, you know? it, it's gone to the scale of we've had to pull it back, you know, off the shelves. So uh, I'll give you two quick ones. Um, okay. The first one, you know, uh, and it's the more recent, so I'm kind of going backwards in chronological time. Um, But the first one was I was at Carmex and Carmex uses, if you've ever used it and look at the label, you'll see lanolin on there. And lanolin is a a grease that comes from sheep. It's it's cleaned and it's really healthy for us. It actually mimics our natural oils that come out of our body very very well like 98% the same. And so they they're the biggest consumer of lanolin in the world. It's a natural product. All all they do is basically when you shear a sheep, you take that that wool and you clean that off and bleach
0: it and that's lanolin. Okay. So there's no land on my sweater right now?
1: No, no. They They took all that off there to sell it to someone else. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but what, what happened was this. We're buying this, and now all uh, Carmex products are drugs, right? They're over-the-counter drugs, the OTC drug. That's sunscreens uh, and anti-acne products, things of that okay. nature, over-the-counter drugs. Um, and so we're getting this landline from them and they send us a sample and it's all great. And we say, yeah, pull the trigger. They send over a whole container of this stuff. And what we found when we melted down the first drum was at the very bottom, about 10 pounds of sand.
0: Okay. That, that sounds like a lot.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a couple shovels full, you know? Okay. And, and so like, you know, I'm trying to make a drug product and you're throwing sand in there to increase the weight so you can get a little more money out of me. It probably netted them a whole $2,500 more, which like you're kind of like, oh, it doesn't make any sense at all. But yet yeah, that's what they did.
0: Because um, you're never going to buy from them again, right?
1: Cut off totally. Yeah. I mean, like immediately and forever, right? We, in fact, in, in within a day, there was a no China policy in the company. Like everything got rejected coming out of China. So, you know, I love you, it. Th- and I that's mean, how I should that. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah, it's horrible that it had to, but, but they ended up in the right place. Um, prior to that, I was running, uh, I got to think what which brand it was. It was Nexus that we were running and we were doing a promotional where we were, you know, it's a hair care brand. You know, we're giving away brushes if you're buying a shampoo and a conditioner kind of thing. So it's all tied together in the shop and these things. So. You know, marketing orders these products. They're coming out of China. Actually, we we're like, oh, no big deal. They're brushes, you know, like right, yeah. sure, it shouldn't be a problem. Just, even
0: I'm like, well, you know,
1: you it's know, a yeah, brush, right? Yeah, it's a brush. You know, you're kind of like, well, whatever. You know, it's not even a functional ingredient. It's just brushing your hair. Contaminated with lead. So we're like, you're kidding me. Like, you, you couldn't Yikes. keep lead off of a hairbrush, and so you know we reject the whole thing we had a recall a bunch of products it's ridiculous i mean you're thinking to yourself like there's a lack of yeah. lack of ethics and then there's deliberately sabotaging and you're like which one is this
0: you know you can't always tell it, you can't tell and it's you know i hate to ascribe something to a culture but i don't know what it is like it, it seems like it's a very short term uh thinking to go hey if I we just so throw a bunch of sand in here we'll make more on this order rather than like hey you know we we can send them high quality lanolin, lanolin and get repeat business over and over again
1: well think about and it. Yeah. biggest consumer of lanolin in the world and they're yeah. and they, they're sticking it to them you're like what are you doing that's horrible business oh, strategy uh,
0: yeah you think you know at least, you know give them a good deal and and just create a right. good business relationship so well, I'm glad there was a no China policy. You know, my policy is no China, yeah, anything. I'm Although I'm here, you know, speaking to you on a, on a MacBook, and, uh, it is nearly impossible to find some things that are not made in China, like a microphone uh, or it's a made in America. It's really hard to find a, a microphone. That's not like a thousand dollars. It's, you know, so it's very challenging. So, you know, it's something I try and apply, uh, and everything. And that's why the parallel economy is uh, important to me. Uh, well, jumping back on something you touched on earlier, you we're talking about like vitamin E in the, um, the hair care products or ingredients and in skincare. Um, you know, what are some other like marketing myths, you know, for us regular consumers? You know, you mentioned sulfate. You know, we don't even know what it is. Is it bad? Is it good? Right. Um, you know, what are some other marketing myths and are there any other ingredients we should avoid?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. You know, anytime someone's playing the fear game, okay, your, your flag should go up. Right, okay. so if someone's saying, "I don't, I free of, you know, free of this, free of that," you know. Take take a step back and say, "Well, is that a problem?" You know, like okay. because telling me you're free of something. Uh, the, my, here's one of my favorite ones, Lars. I'll just throw it out to you. Okay, Chem, chemical free. You know what chemical free means to me? You're, then you're in a vacuum. Like an outer space, right? Yeah, you're yeah, an outer okay. space. So, to a chemist, would you say chemical free? Water is a chemical, air is a chemical. So, what do you mean, chemical free? So, you know, so that's a good example of a myth that's out there. Um, the other ones I would tell you is this when you're reading the ingredients on the front of a bottle, right? And they're okay. saying that, you know, this is our reason, what they call an RTB. I'll just give you the terms, right? That's the acronym Reason to Believe, RTB. Um, If you're talking about an RTB ingredient, it's 90% of the time, not why the product's functioning, right? It's it's just not, Um, unless it's an SPF and I'm telling you it's SPF 30, right? But the second you start seeing RTB ingredients, you should start, your flag should start going off. What I would tell you is this, shampoos function because they cleanse your hair. And the second I tell you that the, re, the whole reason for this shampoo is an oil that's in it, mm, well, that oil isn't going to clean your hair. So, so you should start thinking about it like that. What I tell people is this. Don't be afraid of the words on the back of the package. That's a different language. It's a language that is, looks like French to you. I get it, yeah. right? But it doesn't to me. It tells me what's going on. Right. It tells me what's in that product. And it also tells doctors the same thing. It's a chemistry is a different language. It's a language that took me a very long time to learn and unless you're going to learn it. It can be a bit of a challenge on the flip side, things that like, you know, people look at and tell you're bad, think they're bad, but they're not. So these could be some of those things. Um, alcohol. acetyl alcohol is a great example. That's a okay. wa- That's a wax. It's a solid pellet at room temperature and it's using conditioners to get to make it white and to give it viscosity give it some some structure right um cetyl alcohol cannot dry your hair just like cholesterol will not dry your hair the ol the all means alcohol functional group to a chemist right okay it does not mean drying it doesn't mean it's ethanol which is the one we drink And it can dry you out. So understanding that these things shift is, and that's just the chemistry. That's just how it works. So that's what I
0: I read the the back of the uh, bottle of conditioner. It does say what acetyl alcohol on there. No worries. Don't start doing shots. No, Uh, no, no. Not gonna get
1: you. Not gonna get you buzzed. All right.
0: But it it getting back anyway. So, but it may put you in the toilet. I don't know. Okay. Well, well, gotcha. It, you know, it's true. Um, the, you're talking about the language of a chemist. And, you know, like I've heard arguments like, hey, I don't want to eat any food that's full of chemicals. And then a scientist will say, well, would you eat? And then they'll list like 27 ingredients. And people will say, no, I'd never eat that. Like, well, that's actually an egg. Yeah. Right? Okay. Which is, well, you know, we think of as one ingredient, but it's actually like 30 different things.
1: Well, uh, um, on, on the flip, flip side, you'll get someone saying, well, I, I only, I only want things that are natural yeah well, lead's in natural, arsenic yes. is natural
0: sulfur
1: sulfur Cyanide. cyanide's yeah. natural. I don't yeah. want any of those things personally gotcha. you you can have them all you want. I'm gonna avoid them i think
0: gotcha so so you think some of the the people are conscious or or they try and avoid chemicals and it just turns out it's just the warning might seem harmful or
1: it's what it is is it, it's it's a feel good thing to say yeah right but it doesn't it it shows a lack of a desire to understand in my opinion i don't know that for sure but but it's like that shows that you're not really comprehending it right you know like go for the comprehension don't go for you know the flash and they're falling for the flash but that's what marketing is i mean i'll be honest that's what sells products is you know the flash so yeah i mean
0: When it's uh, you know Halloween time and it's time to buy candy corn, I'm going to buy it even though it you know it does say cholesterol free. But I didn't buy it because it's cholesterol free. I buy it because you know I could eat it nonstop. So, uh, That's right. but it's funny when you see that fat free, cholesterol free. You're like, hey, this is candy corn.
1: Well, you know, I, I think the perfect example, Lars, look yep. at the food pyramid that we grew up with, right? Yeah. Tell, telling me to eat like 12 to, twelve servings of carbohydrates a day, what? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> whoa, whoa. And then we're looking around at the people on the street going, oh my gosh, yeah, we, do, we need help. You know? That,
0: that didn't work out so well, did it? Right. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. And of course, uh, that totally go off on that, but I think the food pyramid, isn't that just uh, corporate interests, whoever lobbied the most kind of got their little thing in. I think, in I think so. I, I, lo- I look at it
1: now and I'm like, that thing couldn't be more wrong.
0: Yeah. I, I inverse the pyramid, everything that's supposed to be bad for you. I eat the most of the, the high protein, the meats, uh, you know, fat, um, you know, vegetables. Uh, I, I used yeah. to tell
1: all my employees eat like you lit, like we ate 200 years ago. Yeah. Eat the, eat the way we did when we were walking the planes. If you eat
0: that way, you are going to be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And and people, you know, they take it too literally. They go, well, I'm not going to go hunt anything. Well, you don't have to, like, go hunt no, anything. No, I'm but not saying just, that. But yeah, 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 think think a little bit. And uh, it is funny because people, people actually, uh, we could go off here, but people, like, will treat their dogs better than they treat themselves. Mm-hmm. So they'll be hanging out with a little pookie. Going, oh, I'm giving Pookie these uh, natural snacks, you know, because dogs evolved eating, you know, carnivorous foods. Absolutely I'm like, neat. I'm like, yeah. well, well, what are you doing eating those Cheetos? You know, oh no, that uh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm like, yes, it does. You're a mammal. Uh, you evolved over, you know, a long time eating these natural foods and, yes, and things. We did. So, yeah.
1: yeah, Well, I always know. say, I say that you know. So I used to do this to my mom. I hope she. doesn't. Well, I'm going to make her listen to this, but okay. Uh, in any event, I, I go into her house. She would have margarine in the freezer or the fridge. I would walk in there, I'd grab it, I'd throw it in the garbage. And she'd look yeah. at me and she'd go, Why are you doing that? I'm like, If you want butter, eat butter. Yes. It's fine. You know, your body knows what to do with it.
0: Yeah. And we can't process margarine. We can. uh, I'm huge on this. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before when we met, but like, I'm, you know, paleo ancestral oh, right. health movement. So I'm really into that. And, yeah. you know, you can see how pale I am, but like, I don't wear sunblock anymore. I just like limit my time in the sun and I try and get, you know, direct sunlight in the morning. It's, and when you approach life that way, to me, I think you start, you know, cutting through the BS uh, a little bit about everything that's out there. Lars, Uh, you know, that's
1: fantastic. I, I, at some point, let's get on a conversation and talk about sunscreens because I went to a sunscreen symposium and had, had an epiphany there and we we're literally in Florida at Disney World and uh incredible stuff well, but but it totally changed my viewpoint we, on those and we do not touch sunscreens.
0: We are talking personal care products you so You want to do it now? Do
1: tell. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll give I'll try to keep this real short. <laughs> Cuz I'm long with it, I know. Um that, but, I love it. But we're well, I'm at this sun at this conference and this um somewhat arrogant professors up there talking about sunscreens. They had just approved UVA and UVB, right? So we got broad spectrum sunscreens. They were doing the speech of, well, are we done? Have we done everything we need to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so arrogant, it's disgusting. But right in that, I had a flash and I went, do you know, and I'll just ask it as a question quickly. Do you know what, there's one chemical that every animal on the planet makes to protect themselves from the sun. Do you know what this is? Um, Melanin? Oh, nailed it. Melanin. Yeah. Right. So knowing that, as they're telling me this, and knowing that when you're looking at UVB and UVA, you're blocking up to right around 380 nanometers. That's a wavelength. We're, We're covering that up, right, so that you're not getting exposed to that. But everything above 380, you're getting exposed to. So I have this epiphany, and I go, hmm, I wonder what melanin protects us up to. This is what God gave us to protect ourselves, Indeed, right? It protects to 750 nanometers. So what has happened with sunscreens is we have taken away the arrhythmia. That's the redness. That happens at 280 nanometers. That's what tells you when you should get out of the sun because you're burning. You need to get out of the sun. That's, That's your signal, early warning signal everything above 380 you're still getting the absorbance so those are what are called longer wavelengths and they penetrate deeper and they get into the dna and screw that up right so now you're absorbing between 370 and 750 and i'm not going to leave the sun i'm going to stay out longer and we're wondering why cancer rates are going up yeah so let that sink in i told my wife throw the sunscreen out slowly get some sun into our daughter and get her tan, don't burn her, I don't want to burn, but if we can slowly build this, we'll be fine. And that's what we started, that's what we do from now on. No sunscreens. By the way, in the at that time, I'm literally making sunscreens for people, you know, I'm, and I'm telling my boss, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> You know, but that's, you know, I couldn't change it until I started my own thing, you know, and unfortunately, that's how it works sometimes.
0: I hear you. So um, my understanding, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is, yeah, you don't get that burning or the redness, you know, that little pinkish tinge that, you know, oh, I should get out uh, and, you know, sort of spares you from getting, so you don't get that, but you still get the negative effects of the sun being, you know, overexposure. That's exactly Uh, it. Okay. Yeah. And it's funny, uh, you know, any of my friends that might listen to this, course, you tell your friends to listen to your podcast, they, they, they never do. But uh, any of my friends that have known me growing up, I used to be like the sunscreen king. I would, I'd go up to people, you know, my friends and put it on their arms, you know, while they're just trying to be left alone because I was so <laughs> insane about it. And uh, so now I just, you know, limit my time and I get sun yeah. exposure in the morning and in the sunset, y'all go up and hike. I live near this uh, cool mm-hmm. little spot called Twin Peaks here in San Francisco. Um, it's one of the things that make the city worth living in and I'll get up, you know, at sunrise and take off my shirt. And I'm like the weird guy at the top, um, you know, just getting sunlight.
1: It's know. what we're supposed to do. You yeah. need that vitamin D is so and, important. So and, important.
0: And I, I feel, uh, great, you know, just get, you know, 10 minutes just really helps. Uh, so yeah, that's been a big shift, uh, since I've been approaching like this natural, like how did we, you know. What did we, yeah, like 200 years ago, they didn't have, uh, you know, UVA and UVB spectrum coating, you know, people just went out there and, and lived. And um, so, uh, well, jumping back on, uh, you know, to your, your business tour salon products, like, so I mentioned earlier, I met, you know, shampoos, conditioners, and you focus on uh, hair types. Uh, Just, you know, tell us a little bit more about uh, the products you make.
1: We make um we make a full line of hair care shampoo conditioners styling aids. We do not do aerosol products because they're ozone depleters. So anybody that tells you they're making natural products yet giving you an aerosol hairspray, well, sorry, yeah. you're, you're not. You're not helping anything, but you're a pocketbook. So we do, we avoid some of those things. Um, we're very natural, uh, but. Because we're a salon brand, what I tell people is there might be a little bit of synthetics. We will go as natural as we can. We'll walk right up to that edge. And if Mm -hmm. I can't get the performance, I might have to kick it over with a little bit of something that's synthetic. Um, But we make sure that they're all biodegradable and all, you know, uh, as renewable as possible. Right. Uh, And so that's kind of our our philosophy. We also do some CBD products, as you mentioned. We do tinctures, we do uh, gel caps, we do gummies, um, and then we do some lotions, which is really my forte. Right. A lot of people can do a tincture. It's just mixing an oil into an oil. Um, But when it comes to performance out of a lotion or a roll on, um, those are those were where we kind of make it sing. Uh, And so we make some of those products too. We do do some contract manufacturing in addition to making our own line. Um, We try to do this small scale. So most contract manufacturers want to start off with say 10,000 units per individual SKU, right? We try, what we do is we say, we don't really want to go big like that. We would rather do the formula development work for you and then go up to maybe 5,000 units a SKU. Uh, and that way we're helping the small entrepreneurs get into the oh. industry.
0: Okay. gotcha. I wanted to ask you about that because uh, when I interviewed uh, Jason Cook, the CEO of Wild Bar, he was looking, you know, he's making these uh, protein, uh, you know, energy recovery and pre-workout bars. They're really good. You should try some. I will. Um, and. You know, he's like looking to get rappers and, you know, for the bars. And they're like, well, okay, minimum orders, 50,000. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what about a guy like me? You know, and and he's talking about like the bigger players impacting the uh, ability, you know, like he, you know, theorized that like, you know, they're trying to shut out the little guy. Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. is 100% accurate. Yeah. Uh, oh man, it is it is such a challenge to get going because of that. When I wa- when I did my initial orders, they were still relatively con- controllable. They wanted mm-hmm. 5,000 units a piece just to do, uh, to, in order for me to even turn on the shampoos and conditioners. Okay. Now, mind you, I haven't sold a one and I'm, you know, I've got like 30,000 units Right. And you're like looking at it like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous, which is where going in and manufacturing ourselves started to make even more sense because now we were able to really control it. And I'm making batches of, you know, 150 to 300 units when I just needed that size. And then we would scale from there. And so, you know, you're slowly building and building and going bigger and bigger. But um, when you're trying to do small scale stuff, it is a huge challenge. Um, Bottles. 10,000 minimum. Yeah. If I wanted the little disc caps that go on the top to screw on 60,000 minimum ones that you press. and Yeah. Yeah. That's called a disc cap. Disc cap. Okay. 60,000 is the minimum order for those. Wow. What are you going to, what is the entrepreneur going to do with that?
0: What am I going to do with 60,000 disc caps? And where are you going to put them?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? So it, it becomes a challenge at many levels. This, in, in And to be honest, where we saw the biggest struggles was we were trying to use really unique performance ingredients, and they wanted to sell them all in drums, right? So, you know, I'm using something, and I'm making this up, but, you know, maybe 2% of a formula, uh, of a formula that I'm going to make 100 pounds of. Right, so it's two pounds I need, but I have to buy eight hundred and fifty pounds of it to use two pounds. Right, and so now you're looking at it, and uh, you know, luckily again with experience, I knew okay, how long how how long do I have? How long will this last before it goes bad? Because a lot of these things will go bad, and you have to retest them. Uh, And so it becomes a lot of balancing, is I guess what I would say. You're always kind of trying to buy the right quantities and figure out who you can work with, and sometimes. Paying a little bit more for less volume makes all the sense in the world. Other times it doesn't.
0: Gotcha. And you, you said you were um, trying to do small batches for some, you know, to help out other yeah, small. Yeah. So, you, 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 so you're taking that ethos, small business, and trying to help out other small businesses.
1: Yes, yes. In but fact, that is what I hear more. Well, uh, so two things. Um, that's what got us through the COVID lockdown in okay. Illinois. The salons were shut down for about six months. Not right? good. Well, and that was all of my revenue. You got to figure I was in 55 salons that I had built in the Chicagoland area. And all these poor people are shut down. Now, these, these women and men are hustlers and they figure it out because they're small business owners too. They ended up starting to go to their clients. I had my stylist coming to my office to cut my hair you know, and in fact, I offered my office to her in case she wanted to cut other people's hair, Uh, (laughs) I love it, but not it'd be in her salon where she could get in trouble. Right. Um, so no, that, that approach of using that, I had brought in one guy beforehand who came to me and he's a separate CBD company. I can't really mention names because we got contracts on that kind of stuff, but he came to me and he goes, can you make me a product? And I'm like, absolutely you know and so we helped him make a few products uh and then right about maybe two months before covid hit a marketer that i used to work with at alberto culver came to me and goes shannon would you do this work for me and i'm like "Eh." i was like about to say no uh and i finally i mean he pounded me and i knew him really well and he's a great guy and i'm like all right kenny i'll do it you know and he's like ah thank god you're like the best chemist i know you know and i'm like uh oh, we'll we'll help you out and so he's like all right sweet and so literally the day they shut the doors down in the salons we were starting his production runs so i mean uh, you know i mean if you keep hustling and you keep looking and you're a good person and you're yeah. trying to do things right uh, i look at it like things happen it just keeps you moving
0: uh- I love it, um, and and so that kept you going when the pandemic hit, and you it, lost it a lot of revenue. Paid,
1: paid for all of that lost revenue, which was oh, that's uh, amazing. Absolutely, like I was just thankful to to the end,
0: and, and that was based on a previous relationship, and yeah, yeah, that, that's it, how you know a lot of business goes that way. Is who do you know, and how long have you known each other, and have you proven yourself before? Yeah, uh, that's how I got my last job, I uh, you know. One interview when I was in, because I was referred to by uh, by someone that was trusted there that I worked with and vouched for me, and uh, of course I didn't, you know, uh, bag the interview or take it lightly, <laughs> but you know it it goes uh, it to show that establishing those relationships really pays off and. It-
1: it does matter. And when people understand the type of ethics you bring to these things and, they, and that you have integrity uh, and that you're going to do everything. You, I handle these products. They, I handle their products like they're mine. I mean, they're yeah. pro, their they're, they're products. But like if I feel something's wrong, I'll show them. I'll be like, listen, I don't like the way this label came off. Can I pull these out of here, get them out of there? Uh, and nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, scrap that couple hundred dollars, redo it, you know, kind of thing.
0: That's great. Um, I even have a friend who is a winemaker, oh, cool. who quit because he made all this great wine and it was stored in this shed during a heat wave, uh, a un, un, you know, whatever, uninsulated. And he's like, "I that wine has my name on it." I quit. Like, yeah. and so it's great to see you know standing behind uh, your product like that. And uh, so there's no, uh, you know, sand in the, in the bottles there. <laughs> no,
1: no way. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm honest to a fault. Uh, I love I, it. The, the way I look at it is I have lost money because I've misquoted people. Uh, and that's me. That's my fault. Yeah. Uh, and I eat it when that kind of stuff happens. I do not, it's just how I do business. You know, I, I'm a, I want people to, to walk away from a relationship with me and say, you know what, there's nothing but integrity there. Uh, and so that's how I live life.
0: Uh, I mean, that's, that's a great way. And I think everyone should do that. Uh, you know, be it in your job, uh, your yeah, business, uh, your relationships. And so I think that encompasses everything. I do too. Not just, uh, so, um, I know you're a part of like the parallel economy and gab, uh, dot com, you know, how did, how did you come to gab? Uh, you know, I just heard about it on Twitter, which is funny, like Gab on Twitter. <laughs> and, hilarious. you know, the, the mainstream media is like really trying to smear Gab because like they're they're not well, owned tech and they're trying to say it's all a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, people trying to overthrow the U.S. government, things like that. Right. And, and I find just the most delightful people on there. Uh, it's all who you follow. There's awful people on Twitter. There's awful people on Facebook. There's child trafficking planned on Facebook and oh, not doing anything about it so makes me ill yeah and it's crazy so I think they're just projecting a little bit and of course uh,
1: I think at this point if they they haven't figured that out I'm not so sure they're ever gonna figure it out because they've yeah. been so brainwashed by the system mm-hmm. That and eh, not so sure there's a whole lot of hope for those people I, I mean I have hope for them but I just don't know yeah. if there's a whole lot
0: and, and I think what's funny is it's just like if they ever you know see the light it's like hey come on board we're, yeah. we're here with like we're not we're no grudges here at least i think that's my impression that's my uh, view too yeah so how did you end up on gab and and yeah, yeah that's you a know really parallel economy
1: so that one's an interesting one for me so uh, yeah i'll tell you my facebook story which goes back to 10 years right i i was uh still at alberto at the time and i was shutting facebook down the only reason i had facebook was because i was playing a lot of volleyball And the volleyball um, tournaments were all scheduled on Facebook. So I was missing these things. Uh, And it was driving me crazy. So my wife one day sets this account up for me. So I use it for maybe two years. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, why? I said, this is neither social nor media. I said, so for social media, it's got neither one. I said, this is a bunch of people trying to Force their opinions on people. That's not social, and I said it's not media because none of this is accurate. None of the data. So I'm like, I'm shutting it down. And one of the my buddies, the scientist I worked with, looks at me and goes, "How am I going to get a hold of you?" And I'm like, "What? Like you have my cell phone? You have my home phone? Yeah. <laughs> you you have my email. I, I my office is." 50 feet from you. You know what I mean? And like it was all of a sudden I was leaving the planet, according to this guy. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't get that. So anyhow, I I kind of shut it down. I don't do social media. You know, that was like where it went from there. I wouldn't touch it. So about a year ago, my wife goes, You gotta check this out. And I'm like, What is it? And she's like, This gap is like Amazing! It's like a bunch. Of, it's free speech finally, like a free speech platform that people are actually allowed to do stuff. I love what this guy's doing. So I start reading about Andrew Torba, and I'm like, man, this guy's got it going, man. He's getting smacked down left and right by banks shutting him down, and he yeah. just keeps plugging along. I'm like, I love it. And so I'm like, all right, I'll look a little. So I'm like on her account, looking a little bit, and I'm like, hmm. little time passes. The COVID thing hits. And we relocate to Colorado from Illinois, and I looked at my wife and I said, "It's time to jump in on this." and she's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Let's start advertising on Gap. Let's get involved." I was taking a different approach. I was going to all the school board meetings locally. I was starting to get involved at a at a local level just because we all know that things need to change. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not one to sit back and tell other people to do stuff I'm not willing to do. So I, that's what I started doing. I started going to everything. I'm going to the PTA meetings. They're the only dude in the room. You know what I mean? They're looking at me like, why is this guy even here? You yeah. know what I mean? But you know, I'm like, no, this is this is what, I've got an 11-year-old daughter and, and I want to make sure that things are done the way we want them done as a community and a fantastic community. And so I was like, let's do this at every level. And so we started leaning in on that kind of stuff. And that's kind of how we got involved. So I I actually use Gab now and I I hadn't used social media in 10 years. I don't even use LinkedIn. I'm on it. You'll see me Mm -hmm. on it. It hasn't been touched since I left Alberto Culver 10 years ago. So, you know, it's one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, I don't like all the crap behind it but when people are honest and able to actually tell you what they want or what is important and be honest all of a sudden those things come out and yeah you can get people that are extreme but okay i can deal with that i'd rather have honesty yeah,
0: yeah. and you know the thing with free speech is it's free speech isn't it's free. free stuff <laughs> that you want to hear Because that's what people people think free speech is. I want to say stuff. Yeah, but the inverse is you're going to hear stuff that you necessarily don't want to hear or agree with, and you have to accept both to have free speech. Uh, And that's what a lot of people don't understand.
1: I don't know why. You yeah. know, Lars, I, I struggle with this. Like, like you know, I'm maybe I'm too logical sometimes. But I'm yeah. like, wh- why? What they think they can tell you anything they want, but you're not allowed to. I, you know, I was to me uh, that's a misnomer. It's like I don't even want to live in that world, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it's really strange. But that's kind of what they've built. They've separated everybody into these little groups. They don't, and and so that everybody's pitted against each other. And what I tell people is you know what? 80, 90% of the people I meet are good people. They're not bad people and they're not trying to do anything to you. They're just trying to live their life and want to be left alone. What's wrong with that? You know, what, what, why? I think COVID is a perfect example. If you want to take a vaccine, take it. Absolutely. Why does that mean anything about me? I don't, you can jab yourself every day till the end of infinity. It's fine. Take I just, don't want yeah, yeah, keep going, man, you can have mine, you know, <laughs> but you know the idea that those people are like, well, you know, you're harming me by not taking it, I'm like,, Ugh. yeah, I took that science class, I have a minor in biology, no, I'm not, you know but, what I mean, I know how the immune system's supposed to work,
0: you know, that's why I call you a real scientist, um uh, and and so, uh. With, uh, you know, the parallel economy, like how, how do you see it expanding or growing and supporting itself and just like, well, how do you see the parallel economy?
1: You know, you kind of summed it up in terms of how some of what I see. I look mm-hmm. at it like they didn't want us in their sandbox. So yeah. a new sandbox is being built. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come play in our sandbox. I'm not excluding you. You're yeah. trying to exclude me. So fine. I'll stay out of your sandbox, but if you would like at some point to come over here and play with our toys, come on over. You know, um, and so I think that what you're seeing, and this is what we've actually experienced too, is that now if I need a machine tool I'm looking for someone on Gab if I break my filler or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to find somebody, a small business, that will help support me in that manner, right? So I'll turn around and I'll I'll give them the business. And I think that that is probably the single biggest way for us small businesses to make sure that we're around. Because let's be brutally honest. When COVID shut down the world, they didn't shut down big corporate America. Amazon. They only shut down... Amazon. What about Walmart? Yeah. It was yeah. open the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah. I the stylist who sees ten people a day can't cut hair. But this the person that rings out 150 people a day, that's fine. You know, yeah. what I mean? it doesn't even make sense. So what happens is it becomes very clear. And then, you know, Klaus Schwab was nice enough to have his book pre-written about the great reset. I'm assuming you know what that is. Um
0: standalone. i, do you know? I stand alone I've, I think I've heard something about it, okay. but yeah, do tell. So, so it was beautiful.
1: You know, they shut down the economy in, what, Marchish, right? In May, Klaus Schwab's book release called the COVID, the Great Reset. Well, let me get this straight. All big publishing is shut down for two months. When exactly was that printed? Yeah. Hmm. You think they had a plan? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess I'm a conspiracy theorist, right? No, so it's just yeah. Like, it's hilarious because it's timing. becoming so clear right yeah. and this is why i think heads are starting to pop for people that can't figure it out right they they are so conflicted they're like this and they don't even know where to go anymore because they can't keep their heads straight right their their arguments yeah. don't make sense you know uh, i mean black lives matter yeah yeah they do okay now what
0: you know what i mean yeah. you know yeah. like, what's next you
1: know <laughs> that doesn't do anything
0: and so I really like the idea of um, like having your own sandbox, right? Um, within a, a larger sandbox, and it, you know supports yeah. itself. The um, you know it's like every time you know people talk about boycotting a corporation, and I I go well I can't boycott you know McDonald's, right. Walmart, uh, Coke because I don't buy their products anyway. Like right. I can't boycott anything else. The last thing I'm going to boycott. Once it, you know, my MacBook, you know, cause they're all made in China and I gotta get, figure something out. Or when my iPhone wears out, like it's, it's goners. Um, and it's like, there's nowhere else I can go. So I have to grow something rather than cut something out. So I'm not, the, so, you know, I've been buying some, you know, I, I just purchased some, uh, some like deodorant from dissident soaps. They're on there. Uh, when I run out of shampoo, I'm going to you. Uh I'll probably know. you know ask for a personal consultation. Oh, we got and, and, you. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh I I'd I, I like love the idea of like a economy uh within but without the larger economy because all those work woke corporations, like they hate free thinkers. They right. Do. And I know they hate uh like Christians and like they they'll they'll promote anything, but like uh, right. families or pro family they 'll promote any other lifestyle and it's i as far as i 'm concerned i don 't think that you know we 're against those, but you know it they 're not promoting you know a, well a they're, they're life
1: they 've lost touch with how people live. Yeah. Right. And and they're trying to warp that. Well, guess what? That isn't going to work because that's yeah. not how people have been raised, right? So I, I I totally agree with you. You've got a situation where you've got people who I mean, look at their commercials. Is, is there is does it look like any family you know? Yeah. yeah. Listen. Do we need to be diverse? Absolutely. Yeah. Do do I I love diversity, and I don't care what that means to you. That can mean whatever it means. Yeah. But, but when I'm looking at the average people that I see on a daily basis, that is not what's being represented. Right now, if, if you go to a movie, the general plot theme is the black guy's the hero. He's married to a white guy, the black white guy is the evil guy, right? You know, this is this this is their system, right? Mm -hmm. And so the whole global system plays into the same thing, whether it's a commercial for Procter and Gamble or or something that's just simply a movie that was created by Amazon uh, or uh, Netflix. So, you know, to me, this is what is waking everybody up. It's Mm -hmm. this idea that they've pushed it too far, right? You know, I'm like, I'm, this idea that just because I have white skin, I'm a racist. Like, yeah. where does that come from? Even that doesn't doesn't make sense um, at all, right? And so, people are still being convinced by some of these people. So you got to pull away from them. But to your point, I'm in somewhat of the same position as you. I don't shop at these places anyway. The second Costco told me that I had to wear a mask, I got rid of my membership. And said, "Yeah, here you go. You know, wow. and you can pay me back the money you owe me because I, by the way, I'm a member." So you get money yeah. pay me back, right? Because I pay to be here. Um, and so, you know, I looked at it like, you know, you have to walk the walk. And I have a daughter I have to have set an example for. She's an 11-year-old, strong-willed woman that is going to be powerful when she's older. Why? Because she understands how to think, right? The last thing I want is my daughter sitting in a mask all day. So I'll give you a – this is going a little maybe further than you wanted, Lars. I love it. Go We lived in Illinois in one of the best school districts in the country. My daughter's in a private school in one of the best school districts in the country. And I went to the principal and I said, you're going to make these kids wear masks? And she says, yeah. And I said, then she's never coming back. And she goes, and I mean like that day. And she goes, wait, let's wait and see what happens over the summer. I said, okay, fine. You know, she's a wonderful woman. I come back after the summer. These parents are so war, just confused i'll say it that way that they literally voted to keep their kids in masks and i'm like so i start talking to my neighbor who happens my daughter was going into fifth grade she's a fifth grade teacher who has a three-month-old so she is like thinking about bailing on school because she don't want our kids seeing a mask all day she mm-hmm. understands the difference we hired her and got two other kids from my daughter's school and had a private teacher last year for my daughter. So we pull her out of the school, I love it, put her in a private school. Well, she starts missing the kid interaction, right? Well, in the meantime, we move out to Colorado. I walk into the principal's office and what's your policy? He goes, there's no way in hell these kids are wearing masks in my school. And I'm like, I love this guy. Yes. I didn't even know before I walked before I bought the house. And I'm like, I looked at him and I said, if you need me to stand in front of you, behind you, to the side of you, I don't care what it is, call me. I said, We need leadership. We need people to stop being sheep and start thinking. It's my
0: take. No, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I've I've known people that um, you know, the second that they're asking to, you know, vaccinate their toddlers, they're they're gonna be out of California. Yeah, they um, should. You know, and so it's, it's your job; you need to protect right? that kid exactly. And um, I've I've seen a lot where people like homeschooling is taking off because it's these huge. schools these schools are insane. And uh, you know they say follow the science; it's more like follow the indoctrination of putting these kids in. Ma- and it kills me. I, I my nephew is in high school, and and I, you know I dropped him off once, and and I, you have to wear a mask all day, you know, and you're vaccinated, and. I honestly don't get it, and the illness rate for for you know under eighteen is next next to zero, so well, close to zero well, that-
1: follow the science, yeah, show me the study that says a mask is good for us, yeah, it doesn't exist, yeah the reason it doesn't exist is because the science says don't do it, so <laughs> it's funny you you know when someone uh, I think we've now. He's coined the term that he is the science, right? Isn't that where yeah, we're at right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah,
0: disagree with me. You disagree with science. I'm so he, he's science.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. you know, it's a joke. You know, and so you know what's what's sad though is there's a lot of people that know better that aren't speaking out about it. There's a lot of chemists, doctors, uh, people that have edu- technical educations that should know better. Right. And they're simply not either one, not willing to do the research, or two, they simply, uh, uh, some of them are paid. And then three, some people are just, they're brainwashed. They can't see it, you know. Um, But whatever it's taken to get them there, I'm like, you need to wake up. I, you know, I personally, I don't know if you remember the movie Airplane. You remember this movie?
0: Oh yeah, back in okay. The day, yeah, you know when
1: they're shaking that woman and kind of
0: yeah. I
1: feel that <laughs> way most days. Like, come on, wake up! Yeah. Right. And,
0: and what's funny is everybody else being insane is is slowly making me insane. I hope yeah. not.
1: I, yeah. You got to um, mean, so, so I, Lars, God, this is crazy. why, the, why I live in Colorado yeah. is to get away from the, uh, the insanity. I, yeah. the environment I was in cook County is in Illinois, right? You know, that's that's Chicago and surrounding area right there. They now have Vax uh, passport. or you know, proof of identification or something like that. It required. I talk to my old scientists often and I'm like, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, I haven't had a mask on since I left that state. I walk into any store I want. I go into restaurants all the time. All of that's open if you're in the right environment. You're in a tough environment. I give you that, you know? And so what I say is anybody that can handle that, you're better than I, because it was pulling me down. I was getting depressed by it. And I'm like, I wasn't gonna go there. I just couldn't, so I had had to make the change.
0: I, I hear you. And, you know, some of the, the crazy people are the ones, and I, I think people are actually addicted to the pandemic. They, they're like, they're they're actually, they drama. don't know it, but they're excited for the next variant to be aware of. It's and, drama, right? Yeah. And it gives them some sort of sense of control of telling other people. And I I don't know, like, I'm trying to mind my own business and I'm walking down the street here in San Francisco and I absolutely never wear masks mask because I, I know it's a joke. And you know, this guy, uh, you know, hey, mask. And I go, you should lose thirty pounds because that's a bigger risk than than me not wearing a mask. And <laughs> well,
1: it's a risk I, to him didn't it, go it. then.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so well, I, you know, I didn't want to be mean to the guy, but that's that's what I thought, you know, so I ignored him. Uh and the other thing is uh I was just I just saw this and I don't really listen to Joe Rogan anymore because he's on Spotify and as i honestly I find Spotify just annoying to use. Um, you know politics aside but you know the, just in the news uh, yesterday or today was you know 270 scientists you know are asking Spotify to monitor what he puts out right. and and i go instead of trying to censor somebody else you know have your own podcast have that, a counterpoint you know, yeah yeah like say hey you know and if it's valid you know it will help me gain traction but i you know what it'll, no one will listen to it
1: well well yeah. if you if it's wrong debunk it yeah. oh, you can't debunk it, censor it. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Just, yeah. it, seems, it seems familiar. I don't. I remember a little history where things were censored like this in the past. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, it, it wasn't all that long ago, right? You yeah. know, yeah. and so it, it's it's hilarious to me that people feel. But again, this is that wokeism. It's a superiority complex that comes with it. Like you have the right to say something to somebody else. Uh, I. I my wife's a little more bold than me with some of these things, but oh, really? you know, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, she, she, you know, someone said something to her about, you know, do you have a vaccine passport? She goes, she goes, well, when's the last time you had sex with your spouse and what position was it in? Yeah. And they're like, you know, and she's like, you're asking personal questions. I'm not allowed to ask you personal questions. Yeah. You know, and so you know, she's, like I said, she's a, a Southside Chicago girl. She's a little yeah. tough, you know what I mean? And she gets flared up every once in a while. Uh, you know, and I'm like, whoa, slow down, hon. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, people don't recognize that that's the kind of stuff that you're doing. My yeah. personal health information is none of your business, especially when you weigh 200 pounds more than I weigh. Yeah, You know, like, you know, look at you and look at me and I'm supposed to take advice from you?
0: You yeah, know? and uh, you know, like look at someone like Bill Gates. You know, if I want to look like Bill Gates, I'll take health advice from Bill Gates. Right. Uh, and you see these health ministers like in in Brussels or Belgium and, oh and the Netherlands. Gosh. And what I'm sorry, but
1: one from L.A. She's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: not sure she's breathing. I think actually her images were doctored to make it look pale. Oh, it? Well. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. So, good. But uh, well, just like CNN did with Joe Rogan, they made him look gray. They did. When when he you know was like hey I have COVID and you know you know, of course they made fun you know uh, the talk about misinformation they're like ah oh, he's taking horse paste or whatever and right. you know
1: yeah, yeah the guy yeah, wins God. a Nobel Prize peace prize for making this drug and you're, you're yeah making yeah, right? it a horse drug you yeah. know? well what's funny is I have horses right and so oh, you don't know not yeah yeah we have four of them and we had to go get some ivermectin because they because <laughs> they need to be dewormed. Well, yes. It's in the back now, like you know. so you know, we go to feed stores and stuff, yeah. Right? You know, tractor supplies and stuff like that, where they have these things, and they're like, "You're not going to take it, are you?" And I'm like, "I have four horses, yeah, you know, and and no, I'm not taking this, <laughs> you know." <what> I mean? <laughs> but but I guess that's where we're at now. Uh, you know, when people are being shunned from getting literally what is considered what is a good quality product they could have i guess they're going to try to find interesting ways to get there
0: yeah wow that's amazing and it's it almost reminds me of uh that hydroxychloroquine incident where some lady gave her husband a bunch of uh stuff from the fish supply store and ended up killing him and honestly i think she was trying to kill him uh and it it, it, people are just insane.
1: I, I believe that's an ick what's it called an ick medicine? It's a parasite medicine for the fish cuz I used to have fish.
0: Okay. I could not imagine trying to drink that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um and I you know, I would say the real pandemic is poor health and people not able and willing to freely share ideas and arguments and they get their ego cut, you know, stuck on being right rather than you know, re-examining their point of view. You know, you you need to be able to do that to to grow and expand and know. One of the biggest
1: challenges I've found in my career is, and this is true of all scientists even, right? Is, you know, we're supposed to use the scientific method. You you have a hypothesis, you test the hypothesis, and then you reassess what happened. Did I learn something? Is my hypothesis still valid? That piece is a challenge for people. They have a challenge when it comes to shifting that position. Even scientists struggle with this. It's. It, I personally say that this is probably why I was more effective than most of them. Is because I would take that knowledge and go, "Okay, I was wrong. You know, yeah. and I need to reassess what I was thinking here and come up with new ideas that support this new yeah. direction." That even scientists lock in. And they want to go, no, this is, I can't let it go. It's too real for me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'll apply that to people who, who don't do this on a daily basis, right? And, and it can be a challenge for them. So, you know, it, I, I get it, is I guess what yeah. I'm saying is it, it can be tricky. But what we need to do is have the most open mind possible. Because the reality is this, we're not being told anything nearer what's real about what's going on around us. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, until you come to that realization, you're going to really struggle and, and, and it could cause all kinds of goofy stuff, depression and whatever else. Um, but you know, I, I look at it like, you know, they tell me the history is written by the victors. Hmm. Well, how much of my history is accurate? Right. The yeah. victor, the victor wrote it. Right. You got to think about those types of things, and if you're not going into that and having that kind of open mind to everything, everything you always there's always something to learn. That's just my rule of thumb.
0: Yeah, no, that's true, and that's why I call you a real scientist because uh, <laughs> you're obviously you're, you're willing to reexamine, um, you know, a, a conclusion uh, with you know new evidence. And you have to. You have to. Yeah, and I've I've taken many hard stands in my life. And, uh, you know, to have them, you know, presented with new information, you know, it, I, I'm with you. It is a little hard to change your your mind on things. Sure. And uh, it's funny, like in politics, though, they'll go, hey, <laughs> 18 years ago, you know, like say someone's running for president, you were adamant about this issue. And now you're, cha- you're flip-flopping. It's like, well, you know, it is kind of good to change your mind in, in light of new evidence. I could uh, be wrong. I, I, As as opposed to you know trying to you know the latest poll, uh, what should I say? You know, uh, have principle right. Uh, But if you
1: if you're doing it with morals and principles, you're fine. You're, yeah. you're
0: you're going to be clean, and you're even going to be able to
1: explain why you're making those changes. Because yeah. it's like, well, I learned this, this, and this, and therefore this is no longer valid, and I had to uh, had to shift some of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I there's many positions in my life that have been shifted. I had a friend I used to work with, uh, fellow scientist, used to make this comment every time I give a presentation, and you know, a lot of his stuff was bunky, goofy stuff, but this was a really Profound statement he would make. 98% of everything we know to be true today will be proven wrong tomorrow.
0: Wow. And
1: that's been true of history throughout history. And so if you think about it that way. That means you have to constantly reassess where things are at. And has something changed in the world? Has something changed in my world to make things different? Uh, if you have that, and by the way, he struggled to have that kind of open mind. Even yeah. if he'd say that, <laughs> yeah. um, living it is more difficult. And so it's an interesting thing, but that's kind of how I try to live life. I, you know, uh, If everything I've been taught, you know, is I'm going to at some point shift that position wow. a little bit. Um, and having that open mind to that allows you to, one, forgive yourself for making those changes and two embrace those changes, right? And say, you know what, I'm just trying to do the best I can with the information I'm provided at the time.
0: Yeah. Th- uh, and that makes a lot of sense. And that kind of leads into, um, uh, you know, my next question is like, you know, what kind of advice, you know, jumping back to, you know, your business um, we kind of got big picture there, which I love. Uh, you know, what advice would you give to other aspiring entrepreneurs that want to make like a, you know, a USA-focused, USA-made business?
1: Uh, Okay. A uh, couple of things. One, um, research, right? Uh, Understanding your market, who you're going after is number one. Number two, ask a ton of questions from people that have been around this, right? Well, that makes and sense. The, the more questions you can ask... I, I was I had the dubious distinction at most of the companies I've been at that the whoever the uh, CEO or VP of my area is, I remember at one point uh, I'll just tell the story. Uh, yeah. His name was Carlos, and he would he would do this whenever he would he he would say, "Is there any questions?" And then he put a piece of paper in front of me, and so yeah. because he's like. I am so sick of you and he even said it at one point. I am so sick of you asking me these questions that you know I can't answer. They're too deep. You know, and I'm like, "Whoa, I'm trying to learn." And so there's a fine line there, right? Yeah. Because I I I told them. I'm like, "I'm not trying to rub you the wrong way. I'm not trying to stump you. I'm inquisitive." So be inquisitive. You have to ask a ton of questions don't assume you know the answer as to why yeah, someone did something huge. they did um and then the third one is um try to find somebody that's done it right try to find somebody that has and it doesn't need to even need to be in the same industry but find a core of entrepreneurs that you can bounce these questions off of right because what i find is i have a buddy that's a very successful plumbing business well you know, I get to ask him questions about, like, things he's done. Like, you know, yeah. well, what do you think of this? You know, and he doesn't know the science, but he understands business really, really well. And so he'll be like, well, you know, did you think of that angle or did you think of this angle? You have to have that circle of confidence where you can kick, kick the tires, right, like you're buying a car. You need to do those types of things. And those, if you can do those things um, and you're willing to, you know, bleed a pint of blood, uh, you'll probably get there is the way I say it. You know, you you, you just got to grind it out, you know. And so, you know, we spent many hours at the lab with my daughter, you know, eating pizza in the front room and she's doing science experiments next to me as I'm trying to create new products. This, this was the way of life for a few years. You know, my wife would literally come pick her up after work and come to the office because they wanted to see me, you know, and I'm like, it's the easiest way to do it. And then, you know, I, my, my daughter's zooming around in the back on her scooter and things of that nature. So, you know, you got to make it a family thing too. That's, I guess the third piece, bring everyone in, because if you do that, um, you're going to be more successful and you're also not going to end up in a situation where, you know, you guys aren't communicating anymore, which would be horrible.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's brilliant. And, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, bringing the family in, uh, so they kind of see where you're, what you're doing and also, yeah, you stay close and in touch and, and they they see how hard you're working. I think that might,
1: they get to, you know, it's funny because, you know, chemistry is one of those weird things where when people haven't done it for their career, they tend to be really interested to see it. Like they want to see yeah. it come together. So, you know, I've got my wife making batches, you know what I mean? And teaching yeah. her how to make shampoo and stuff. She's a finance fp person, but she's in the back. She's like, this is so much fun. I'm thinking this is work, you know what I mean? But you that gives you some of that life back too, because you start yeah. to see that she's having fun with it, you know? So I think those things are important.
0: I love it, and and also I think a, a key to your success is you know you you didn't go the big retailer route. Mm, you went no directly to, and that, so you're removing effectively a few uh, roadblocks in the supply chain, or layers in the supply chain, or links, uh, you know, uh, going directly to salon. So it's almost kind of like you went in through the back door, or, yeah, or I don't we, know if you have another metaphor for no, it. no,
1: no, no. I think that's a good way to say it, and we did that very, very for a very good reason. We knew that the distributors that were selling the salons also didn't understand the technical aspects Mm -hmm. of the product. So in order for us to push the technical aspect, I'm like, I want to go in. And in fact, my, my plan just before COVID hit was I was about to hire one of my old chemists that I trained. To come in and help me too. And she would have been doing the same type of things, going, creating products, but then going into the salon and saying, hey, you know, this is how it functions. This is what we do. What do you think of this? How is that functioning? Because when I was at Alberto, we had a salon in the building. We had three oh, staff wow. stylists, stylists. And so I was getting constant feedback on how products were performing and stuff like that. And and what you start to realize is that they want that knowledge. And so that's the reason we, we kind of focused that direction. But you're exactly right. Removing that the distributor in the middle, one, it gave, gave us better margins, right? So our mm-hmm. margins go up. Um, two, it gave us better control. I have direct contact with that owner now instead of having you know, indirect contact. Um, And so they have a face to go by. And, you know, let's be honest, some of the time I was literally hand delivering these products because I'm visiting people and they put in an order. So I hand drop it off or I have my daughter running in to drop it off for them. Right. And they're like, oh, man, he's here, you know, and enjoying that. So, you know, again, make it human, right? We're human, right? (laughs) There's, There's something wrong with humanity. We need that back,
0: you know? Yeah. And that's a big part of like, you know, the uncommon goods ethos is, you know, you're supporting a small business. There is a a name or a face or a person or a daughter running around uh, behind that business, uh, you know, supporting it. They're helping me
1: buy new basketball shoes for her at this moment. Yeah, You know what I mean? Things of that nature.
0: And uh, I, you know, that's something that people shouldn't lose sight of is, you know, and, you know, people working at big corporations are people too, but at the same time, people going out there and putting out the effort to start a small business, uh, you know, that money is local. Like, you know, it's support, yeah. you know, you go out and spend, uh, you know, the local store, um, you have time to, you know, go to the school board and help ensure the quality of the school. Um, and you know, you're supporting your local community because you have a small local business and they have those direct relationships and, you know, that's what I'm trying to support with this podcast and, you know, get that kind of message out.
1: Lars, it's even something as simple as this. So like, yeah. and I had to ask the question because I wasn't sure. But, you know, when we were still back in Illinois, I I had, I would a lot of times run my packages to UPS, to, you know, to one of their shops and drop them on the way on the way back to the house. And, you know, this could be between five and 20 packages, right? Somewhere in there. And so one day, you know, I knew the guy that ran it and his name was bob and i said hey bob do you make money with each package i bring in and he's like yeah i do and i'm like thank you and he's like (laughs) why'd you ask me that i said because i'm not going to give them to the ups driver then yeah i'm gonna drop them for you and he looked at me and he goes thank you and i'm like no no thanks necessary i gotcha well you (laughs) know this you know the Goofy shutdown starts happening and people are getting all freaky uh, early <laughs> on, right? you know and I mean people are like lined up outside his shop with masks on. He would see me pull up, he'd wave me around to the back, pull all my packages out of my trunk and I'd be out of there in 30 seconds. Well, oh, wow why, well, why why did he do that? Because I took interest in him and his well-being, right? So now he's like, I'm not waiting making this guy wait. I'm going to, you know, I'm cranking it out, right? Like I'm going to help them wow. out. So this is, this is how we're supposed to function as humans. This is humanity, in my opinion. This is what we need to go back to. This is part of the parallel economy. We write each other notes when we, when we send products to each other, thanking each other and things of that nature. That's how it's, life's supposed to be. That's how it was in the back in the day.
0: Yeah, and, and I like that uh, smaller uh, approach. And, you, you know, just your thinking, that direct Hey, do you make money when I, you know, deliver straight to you Um, as opposed to just, you know, sending it elsewhere? My UPS Uh, guy would have
1: gladly stopped and picked up every package. His name was Pete. I knew him first name basis, but you know, right. right, Fantastic guy. But I knew the other guy was making money. Pete doesn't make any extra money, bringing the packages back. He works for UPS. Right, This guy's a franchisee. So I'll give it to him,
0: you know, gotcha.
1: Take a little bit of money out of the UPS pocket.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're doing fine, especially yeah, with, uh, I, think they're okay. uh, I mean, with my street here, I live in a tiny cul-de-sac with tight little current curves here. That's all of Frisco. Uh, and uh, I, you know, half the time I'm trying to drive out and, you know, the UPS or Amazon truck. So anyone, you know, they're all doing fine. Um, and so a couple of things, uh, you know, you were talking earlier that really stood out was like you, you mentioned like the, the salon workers and owners, they're hustlers. Uh, they're definitely not lazy people. Like mm-hmm. I always make an effort to, uh, when I get my haircuts to go to like an independent salon. Um, and there's always an amazing story because usually they're immigrants. Um, and you know, I was lucky. My, my dad was an engineer. So I, I'm pretty sure we flew her business class, you know, in the seventies and when we immigrated, uh, but like, you know, they were on a boat and like people died to get yeah. here. So oh, yeah. they didn't come to America to just sit on their, their rear and collect a check They're hustling, you know. They're supporting their families. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they're almost in a way they're they're uh, living the American dream. Yeah, and you know, I I had so many great conversations with with people uh, that own or or work in salons, and it makes me think how privileged I am. And uh, you know, they they definitely are grateful, want to be in America, and to have an opportunity to you know run their own salon, and uh, it you know, when here in California, when they shut down, they're like, we will do whatever you tell us to do. We'll wear masks. We'll, yeah. we'll sanitize every inch of the store, but just let us work. Right. You know, right, they, yeah. they, other people are like, I'm getting, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Separacy, money, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever the, uh, federal relief funds or whatever relief it was fund, called, right. you know? And you know, you know, I think things like that kind of kill the human spirit just to get money for not doing anything.
1: I don't think it's good for us either. I, th- yeah. I think that we need to feel needed. I think yeah. that that's an important thing for our own psyche too. And, uh, and, and you're exactly right. These guys and girls are – they – bang it out. I started talking to them and I'm like, listen, I got different business idea for you. Maybe you need to open up a haircutting truck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you need to like have a mobile service, you know what I mean? And so what was funny was, um, you know, and stylists salons, you know, you can have a salon that makes 30,000 a year. You can have salons that make 30 million a year. Yeah. Um, and, and I've seen some of this gap and what I've found is that every one of them that is independent and working like this and getting to a level, they all get it. They're, they're true entrepreneurs. And, you know, in my world, you know, they were kind of always like, Oh, they're just stylists. When I got into the world, I realized no, these people will run circles around most of chemists I know, because if that big corporation wasn't there supporting you, yeah. You'd be out on a the street. These people are figuring it out. They don't give a crud what it takes. They're going to do whatever it takes to survive and, and and be independent and on their own. Uh, yeah. And and they're very smart. They're very intelligent.
0: Yeah. And, you know, coming from a place where, you know, having the opportunity to open up a shop and serve customers probably would, you know, who knows what kind of barriers or difficulties and obstacles were in place to do that and to come to America and just have the ability to have their own business uh, is, you know, they just, uh, they just don't take it for granted. And I think maybe we just, Oh, it's a place to get a haircut. And, and people will be like, Oh, they're all Asian. It's like, no, they're more American than you. you know? I've said that a million yeah.
1: times that they act more American than most Americans. Yeah, And there are a lot of entrepreneur, or a lot of immigrants. I had a, I have a salon that I supply in Illinois. This guy was, uh, he's Ukrainian. He's an engineer in Ukraine. He comes, immigrates to the U S but his English is poor so he yeah. can't get through the testing right to become gotcha. an engineer in the US so he goes out starts a, becomes a stylist the salon makes about 5 million a year right this guy's <laughs> making money hand over fist yeah. and i said i said you know did you ever have the idea of potentially going back and getting your engineering like licenses and he goes why would i do that like, I love my job. I work like six hours a day. You know, he's got about 20 stylists that work for him. And I'm like, this is what a fantastic story. I'm like, it's true entrepreneurial stories. And I see them all the time some of them are you americans too i mean but but like a lot of immigrants but then a lot of americans and all of them with the same thing a lot of them will tell me i wanted, knew i wanted to do hair when i was seven years old and i just kept plugging forward and by the time they're 21 they've got a salon and they're making a couple hundred thousand a year like holy crime! i didn't even i was like barely finishing college you know i mean and these people are already like you know stuff and money in the bank, you know.
0: I might have to change uh careers. We might be too <laughs> late, Lars. <Lawrence. laughs> uh, so Shannon, uh people out there that are listening and they might have uh, wiry or thick uh hair. You know, where can they find your products? How can they find you, you know, on social media, you know, online, uh if they want to get a hold of your products? how, how can we
1: the uh, easy, yeah. the easiest way to grab us is at Tour Salon Products. Dot com. It's got an okay. S on the end of products. Um, okay. That's our website. However, we're also on the, all the social media platforms too. Um, I won't say that you're going to get answers from me there because I they have to be forwarded to me. But if you have any questions, if, if someone has questions, they can actually email me through our website. And we have that personal touch. We still do all of that stuff. So my wife will filter things and get them down to my level and I'll okay. start answering all the technical questions. Um, but we can help help people at all levels from that perspective. We answer those types of questions all the time on how products work. Um, And yeah, so that's kind of where we're at.
0: Gotcha. So Tor Salon Products, T-O-R Salon Products. All one word. Okay. With an S at the end. Yes. Uh, No, that's terrific. So Shannon, it's been so great to have you on the show. Um, You know, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to share.
1: Uh, Not not in particular, just thank you.
0: Okay. So thank you. And uh, you know, very so glad to have you know, a real scientist, a critical <laughs> thinker, an entrepreneur, um, you know, supporting your local community with your business and you know, ethical businessmen and using high quality ingredients all sourced in America and even your packaging, right, is America's source. Yeah, absolutely, and and so I know that's important because, um, you know, very important thing that you know, shrinking that supply chain, you know, reduces the risk, at, you know, for in the quality is more, you know, the higher quality with that. And so uh, just love to see a story like yours. And it was an absolute delight having you on Uncommy Goods. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the parallel economy. I'm trying to spread the word on, you know, the Uncommy Goods, buying American and parallel economy, supporting small businesses that are aligned with your values. So Shannon, thank awesome. you so much for being on Uncommy Goods.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Lars. It's been fantastic. Ton of fun. I
0: love thank you.